Welcome to Fitz Dog Radio. Yes, I am in my full golf regalia. Big golf tournament today. We're raising money for Comedy Gives Back. It's a great organization that raises money for comedians that are having hard times, having mental challenges, need therapy, sometimes rehab. And uh, it's a great, great group. It's run by Jody Lieberman, Amber Lawson, and Zoe Friedman, my dear friends. And so it's going to be, we've done it, I think this is the third or fourth year. And all the big names show up, Bill Burr, Burt Kreischer, Santino, uh, I think Larry David has played in it. And a bunch of people just donate money and don't even show up. Jimmy Kimmel buys a team. Um, a bunch of people. I'll, I'll, I'll do a follow-up next week, but I'm really excited to go play in the tournament. And so I'm in my living room. I just got this new painting. How do you like that behind me? My friend Josh, his father is an artist in New York, and he has a bunch of beautiful paintings and they gave us one well they gave us two actually there's one on the other wall too so we had it framed and uh redoing a lot of the house right now we just did, redid the landscaping on the front yard and uh reupholstering the chairs just bought this new couch yeah baby times are good in the fitz dog household <laughs> um just got back from where the fuck was I? Houston, Houston, Texas, at uh, a place called uh, the Riot Comedy Club. Great little club on a second floor, funky, used to be a rock club, and all kinds of people, very diverse crowds, tatted people, uh, very young, very cool, uh, except for this one woman sitting up front, uh, at the Saturday early show and, and everybody's laughing. I'm having a great set and I'm doing, I'm taping my special in two weeks. So this is one of my last shots at doing the special and, you know, trying to get some good vibes going, nailing it down. And this woman is sitting there with her arms crossed. She gets up and brings her purse with her and she comes back and I go, were you going to leave? And she's like, yeah, I go, well, what's the pride? I go, which joke offended you? And she goes, all of them. And she's, she's the closest person to me. And the stage is very close to the front row. And so she becomes this black hole of negativity. And I just keep eyeballing her and eyeballing her. And then eventually she started laughing. And I said, no, you don't fucking laugh. You don't get to laugh. <laughs> um, one of the comics on one of the shows did another comedian's bit word for word. It was kind of creepy, and I didn't say anything just because the premise was pretty familiar already, but the wording was exact, and so I'm, I'm discussing with somebody whether or not to say something to the club owner because it's not, it's not okay to steal somebody's bit. I mean, I do it, but I've been around for a while. I know what's good, and I make it better. That's the thing about me. I see an open micer with promise. He's probably not going to make it, but this bit's going to make it on my next special. I'm just kidding. Some comedian who was accused of being a joke thief just wrote a big tweet saying that they're not a joke thief. And um, it, once you have to start denying it, 
it's over. You've got that rep. And one of the, they're one of those people that videos have been posted online and it's just, it's facts. You can't argue with clips being shown next. Anyway, whatever. I don't want to go negative. Let's go positive. Oh, and then I, and then I left uh, yesterday morning and I'm driving uh, to the airport. The Uber guy picks me up. Amazing guy. This guy was a, uh, a vet from Afghanistan. He got shot in the chest getting out of a tank. And he got shot in the leg another time. He had two Purple Hearts. He had a medal for something else. He was, he was flying a plane from Afghanistan back to the base in Italy. They get shot, lose all the electricity in the plane. Radio, GPS, everything gone and he's got a long fucking flight all he has is his compass and the dude uh flies for a while and he realizes he's got this backup i forget we call it a uh uvc radio or something that military doesn't pay for but he bought for himself pulls it out makes radio contact and makes it into italy with no electricity anyway so this guy's telling me these great stories and then we get to the airport, and he goes, what airline are you? And I go, United. And he goes, there's no United at Bush Airport. And I was like, oh, shit. There's two airports in Houston, and I just punched in on my Uber. I just punched in airport like an asshole. So I get there, and luckily it was daylight savings time, so I left. I had left kind of early. So there was some padding and this guy got all fucking military on me. He's like, he, he like changes the programming in the app. And he's like, okay, we're going to take this road. It's toll roads. We're going to make it through fucking flying through traffic. And it uh, gets me there a half hour before my flight is leaving. I cruise through TSA, grab a coffee. That's right. Get on my flight and proceed to fucking watch Breaking Bad for three hours. Um, what else? I got home. Me and the wife took a long walk with this dog. By the way, the dog is still, we're still trying to find a home for this beautiful Beagle Terrier. He is friendly. He is sweet. He is extremely well-trained. He's fun to walk. He chills. He barely ever barks. Uh, usually just like when you pull out the leash because he's excited to go out. But um, great dog. His name is Max. If anybody's interested let me know. Email me at fitzdogradio at gmail.com if you live in Los Angeles, and I will bring him to you. I got some photos if you want to check them out. There's one woman that's interested, but she wants to know if he's good with cats, so I'm looking into that right now. But uh, let me know. Uh, we got to get this dog out of the house before Thanksgiving. We have a lot of guests coming. We're just fostering this dog. We're not ever planned on keeping it. We had our two dogs for 16 years. Need a break. Need a little break right now. Um, and then we went to see the last waltz at 4 o'clock at theaters all around the country. They played Martin Scorsese shot the band at their final performance at the Winterland Theater in San Francisco, 1976. And it's the most, people say it's the greatest rock movie ever made. And it featured Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, who was so cranked up on coke. It was hell like you people were laughing out loud. He was jawing. He was acting like a lunatic. 
um, Van Morrison tore the roof off the place, Dr. John, uh, Ronnie Wood comes out, Ringo plays a, a, a song on drums at the end, I Shall Be Released, big finale. It was incredible, and it was spliced up with uh, you know interviews. Uh, really cool. I don't know if it's staying in the theaters, but even if you only have to watch it on TV, just check out The Last Waltz. It was amazing. Um, we got a letter from Ron who says, Hey now. He said, I had the same experience you have with the bidet stream ricocheting water off the dirty asshole and splattering all over my ass cheeks and balls. Sure, my balloon knot feels cleaner, but now I have shit water all over my backside. I feel like it's a controversial opinion, but this is why I don't like the bidet. I even had the $250 fancy one, but I traded it for a TV with my ex-girlfriend. Nasty! Hey, who wants to trade my shit-flaked bidet? I'll, I'll even bring it over. That's, that's not a used product, a bidet. Vibrators, bidets... That that one goes in the trash. Um, speaking of trash, I'm doing stand up comedy on the road again. I got two shows left. No, what am I saying? Yeah, two shows left before I tape my special uh, at the Mothership in uh, Austin on the nineteenth. On the eighteenth, I'll be at Bakersfield at a place called the uh, the Well on November eleventh. Comedy Slice in Ventura. This is a fun little room. Uh, November fifteenth. Austin at the Mothership, November 17th through the 19th. I think uh, most of the shows are sold out, but there may be some tickets left for the other ones. San Francisco Punchline, those will sell out November 30th to December 2nd. Fort Worth at Hyenas, Milwaukee, New Year's Eve. Den Theater in Chicago, January 13th. Atlanta, Portland, La Jolla, Tampa, all coming up. Go to FitzDog.com. Find out why people are saying the shows are magic. Get your tickets now. Also, don't forget Christmas is coming up. We got a few Grapefruit Simmons t-shirts left, so go to the website and pick up those for your loved one. Also, I want to tell you, if you're looking to go to see live music, theater, sports, the best way to do it is with Game Time. It's an app that lets you buy tickets, last-minute tickets, where they get cheaper. You keep an eye on it. Uh, there's last-minute deals. Uh, you can get a view from the seats uh, of the venue. Lowest price guaranteed. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at tickets right now for, uh, let's see. Um, we got, well, I'm looking at the Chargers. I want to go get the Chargers next week. Um but it focuses on your area, your town, your city, and what's popping up there. Uh, the price, if you even put in the section, they will find the seats for you for even more savings if you don't pick the exact seats. Um, what else? Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code FITSDOG for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code F-I-T-Z-D-O-G for $20 off. Download Game Time Today, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I uh, also want to give a quick shout-out to my buddy Pat House, who's a great comic out of Philly. He's got a new special out, and it's called Live from the Day Job. He filmed it at his day job. He's been bartending at the same—he's always telling me about it at this golf course for like 20 years 
So it's kind of a special thing. So go to uh, YouTube, check out the special from Pat House. Uh, my guest today is a guy who I've gotten to know from the clubs in L.A. and also from his TV show that my kids freaked out about. It's such a good show. It's called This Fool. It's on Hulu. And uh, Frankie Quinones is on it. He's been on the podcast before. Michael Imperioli's on it. It's, uh, it's really great. And um, he's a guy that, you know, was working in a warehouse, <laughs> you know, like not long ago. This guy is just making it. Uh, he's a really interesting, sweet dude. And the second season of the show is now out. You can check out that. So here's my chat with the great Chris Estrada. Welcome, Chris Estrada, to the Fitz Dog Radio Podcast. Man, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm flattered. Apparently, you listen to this stupid show. Oh yeah, show. <laughs> no, I do. It's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. I I I was listening to it. It was one of the podcasts that I would listen to right before I started comedy and right when I started comedy. No kidding. And, yeah. So I've listened throughout the years. Wow. And, like, it's weird because like, yeah, it was it was funny. There's a few podcasts. It was like your podcast. Tom Rhodes had a podcast. Oh yeah. And then WTF and those were these were those were the three podcasts I would listen. Those were the first ones. And then uh, I think Tom Rhodes. I don't know if he does his podcast anymore, but I kept up with you and WTF. So yeah, it's weird because I always like I was telling you earlier before we started recording. I always thought the office was in like for people who don't know, it's in Santa Monica. But I always thought it was in like by this place called the Promenade. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the prominent down there is where the uh, West Side Comedy Club is. I've we, West, we've yeah. done shows That's there. Right. We've done shows there times. together. Yeah. West Side Comedy Club, great club, and then it um, is kind of a well kept secret down there. I don't know how anybody finds it. It's literally in an alley. Yeah, it's in an behind alley. the promenade. Yeah, it's a little bit of a. It's also a club that from I've been like when I start I started here in L.A. Yeah, and it was one of my first open mics. Yeah, oh, is that yeah. right? Yeah, wow. One of my first open mics. Yeah, that's a cool place so, to start. It's a cool place and. Like, it's just a trip because I think they bark people like in sometimes from the promenade. Oh, like, that makes sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, they've got all. They've, <laughs> although the promenade is a ghost town now, dude. I was it born, used to be shoulder to shoulder with people. Yeah, I was born and raised here in L.A. And when I was growing up, that was a like that was where my mom would take us to go have fun. Uh huh. You know, we'd drive out there. We'd drive to the West Side and like have you know go to the promenade, go to the Santa Monica Pier, and the promenade. It used to have street performers. It yeah. still has a little bit of that, but it was so packed. I remember the stores that were there when I was growing up. There was a little bit more like independent stores. Yeah. I remember there was a record store called Penny Lane Records. Oh, is that, that right? I used to buy like records and like CDs and tapes from. Yeah. Um, they had a great old bookstore. I think it was called the Minute. World Bookstore, the Globe Bookstore. Or yeah, something. there was one. There was a very like left leaning political bookstore yes. called Midnight. Midnight Express? That's or? what I'm thinking of. That's what you're thinking. Right. The, the Globe one is on the beach. Yeah. yeah. That's a phenomenal one. Yeah. That, that bookstore, one's still there. No, they moved to another place and then it closed down. Oh, but I think no. they moved back now. Bookstores and, are having a hard time. Yeah. But that one you're talking about on the promenade, it was very left-leaning. They had speakers there a lot. Yeah. It was the kind of place that I, I remember when I first learned about Noam Chomsky. It was through that place. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Noam Chomsky. So... That kind of place. I remember, like, they had an independent toy store that I think is still there, yep. but it scaled down in size. They moved to another location. Yeah. But it was a, 
It was an interesting place. Well, now it's yeah. like J. Crew closed, Banana yeah. Republic closed, Gap closed. Yeah, I mean, and it's I literally Apple all store. The app, no, Apple Store is still there. They just yeah, moved. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. They have. I open. just was there three days ago, and yeah. Apple Store, man, they're good. It's expensive, but you walk in there and yeah. you got smart people. Yeah, it's, and ser- they, it's good service. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It's good service, but it's changed a lot that area. Yeah, it has. Yeah. And so when so this was when you you grew up in Inglewood, um, uh, was it? I grew up in Inglewood and lived in South Central. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so Inglewood, not far from Venice, just down a little bit. A little bit. We're kind of like at least where I grew up. It's over by South Central. I grew up on the I guess we consider it the East Side. Oh, okay. Yeah, grew Inglewood up. is big, isn't it? Inglewood's pretty big. It's yeah. like Compton. It's right. big, you right. know. And then so. Grew up there as a kid and then uh, lived as an adult in South Central. Right. A few blocks over. Okay. They didn't spread my wings that far. No. <laughs> and were your uh, parents, were they together? No. I, I grew up single mom. Both okay. my parents, Mexican immigrants, grew up with a single mom. My, my old man, he was around, but we weren't close. Right. You know, he, he was, so really grew up with a single mom, raised by my grandma, raised by my aunts. Stuff like that. So your mom would be working and your oh, grandma yeah. would watch you? Yeah, I had a grandma that watched us. It's kind of like a village, you know? Like, yeah. I think when a lot of immigrants move to America, they move on the recommendation of says, I live in this area, come move here. Right. And then also my mom brought her sisters, brought her brothers, and we all kind of lived in L.A. Or all of us live in L.A. Who so was the like, funny one? Yeah, you obviously funny had a funny one. person in the family if you turned into a comedian. You know what? I feel like... My mom's funny, but in a slick way. Like, she's yeah. kind of sarcastic uh, and, like, in-your-ear funny. Right. Yeah, very in-your-ear funny. I've gotten uh, very immersed in the Mexican culture in L.A. Yeah. because my kids went to um, a Spanish immersion school. Yeah, and then your so, son played soccer, right? And he played soccer yeah. on te- on teams where they coached in Spanish. Yeah, that's the right. The coach was yelling at <laughs> in Spanish. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so, so I've always felt like the sense of humor that Mexican people have it's so it's ball busty, yeah. but it's so bright. Yeah, it's full of life. Yeah, I mean, you know what's so funny? It's like even you think about it. It's very ball busty. Even in like soccer games, like you know, uh, a lot of like kind of World Cup soccer federations have gone yeah. after Mexico for yelling out "puto" during uh, chanting. Really? So "puto," you know, it, yeah. it means like it's a slur. It's like saying the f word for yeah. homosexuals, but for gay people, but it's um. It's kind of when when Mexican people are saying it, it's sort of in a context of ball busting, right? And they're not really calling you that; they know that you're not, right? They're just like, they're just calling. You, it's almost in a way of saying you suck. Yeah. So they would chant like "puto," like uh-huh. you know, during soccer games, and they do it here in the U.S. Yeah. And they do it, so they they've got a lot. Of, they've got like reprimanded for it. Yeah. You know, I right. think I I just think kind of like uh, those. Politics have caught up to them, right? In that sense, yeah. Because yeah. it's interesting your stand-up comedy, which I yeah. love. I love oh, watching thanks, you. Man. Yeah, you really a like a, you're 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 very. It's conversational. It's introspective. It's it's smart. Oh, thanks. And uh, but it's not that type of humor that I'm used to hearing from the Mexican community. Yeah, as much. Yeah, I you know I I don't talk about being Mexican too much on. When I'm on stage, I always had this opinion of like when I started doing stand up, I said, don't talk about being Mexican, just be Mexican, just be yourself. 
Right. Because I'm a Mexican dude. So that like people have a context for me when I go on stage. Right. And they'll understand that like, oh, this dude's a Mexican dude. Yeah. We got that out the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, now let me tell you what I think about things. Or <laughs> Right. You're not uh, riding it. Yeah. I'm trying not to write. It. And there's nothing wrong with people who write it. Some people who do it, do it really good. I think. Yeah. I think I kind of get excited by the idea of like, if I can get people, like I always say, if I perform at a show and it's a hundred percent latino people that's cool but i go am i only talking to latino people mm. but if i were to do a show and no latino people were there then i would go am i not talking to my people like yeah. am i not resonating with my people yeah. so i always like when there's a little bit like sometimes there'll be like a tatted up like mexican dude latino uh. dude with a face tattoo Sitting next to like an older white couple who heard me on NPR. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. That's great. They sort of have to drop their notions of what maybe they think is culturally funny, right? And they just gotta maybe listen to what I think is funny and like the way yeah, that's I interesting. Like if, funny. if I go to a very white club, like Largo is very white. Yeah, and it is true they are looking at you through the lens of the people sitting next to them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm always trying to, I'm always hoping to pull a little bit of everything. Like yeah. if you could pull a little bit of everything, if there's like some black folks there, some white folks, some Latino folks, yeah. you know, some Asian folks, like if I could, even if there's just not that many, but they're there and they laugh, I go, good. I can resonate with you as well. You know? Well, have yeah. you done much stand up in New York City? Cause that's what yeah. it's all about. It's yes. so mixed. Yeah. Yeah. I was there not, not too long ago. Uh, I did did a few spots and I love it. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, I love being from LA and I love LA and like, I would never live anywhere else, but I think for New York is probably the best city for standup. I think so. Yeah. 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 So if you're, if you're working out in LA, it's, it's funny because there's not that many people here that are native. Like most, yeah. almost all my friends are from somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And to be from here and yeah. then actually transition into seeing this town from a whole different point of view. Oh, yeah. I mean, you used to look at Mex. You used to look at it from downtown L.A. You know, like you said, Third Street Promenade. We've talked about Venice. You know Venice really well. You told me you used to come there and hang out with your friends. Yeah. And it must be so weird for you to sort of like peel back this other part of L.A. that you've always lived in. Yeah, it's always funny because like growing up where I grew up, you working class neighborhood, like, you know, and it was also a very down the middle black and Latino neighborhood. So yeah. to me, L.A. was always a very black and Latino city. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, I wasn't until I got older, even even before comedy, when I started branching out and embracing the things I like, like when I would go watch movies. Like when I was 17, I found out about the New Beverly th- Cinema. Uh-huh. And it's like it's this art house theater that shows a bunch of just older movies. Right. And I just remember seeing like uh, Hasid's there mm. and being like, oh, okay. understanding that. Like, okay, this part of town, it's mm. a lot of like Orthodox Jewish people, you know. What is that, like, on Fairfax? Yeah, off yeah. of uh, Beverly and La Brea. Right, right. Off of Beverly and La Brea. Yeah. So you would see a bunch of like Orthodox Jewish people. Yeah. So, or as I got older, like if I went to Hollywood to like see punk rock shows or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like I got that aspect of it or, you know, pretty early on, I was like on the buses here. Yeah. I'd take the bus to downtown LA uh-huh. and then just wander around with my friend. Yeah. Get in, run into buildings, out of buildings. Like, you know, back then it was like so different, Yeah, you know? And then, 
So, but then when I started stand-up, it was interesting because I started seeing it from the aspect of like, you're in entertainment, yeah, you know? Right. And then you're just like, and it was interesting because then I, when I started stand-up, I would go to different places. I would go, I kind of started in like black rooms and Latino rooms, black rooms in like South Central and Inglewood and then Latino rooms that I wouldn't hear about in East LA and stuff. Yeah. And then go to those rooms. But then I quickly those rooms don't always last that much. So then I would start going over to like Silver Lake and Echo Park. That's a different vibe. It's a different vibe. Yeah. And then you sort of find out that this is an alternative scene or what, at least at the time what they were calling alternative comedy and like independent comedy. And that scene was a little different from the scene in Hollywood, yeah. which was more like the improv, the right. comedy store, the laugh factory. A little more aggressive. And, yeah. A little more aggressive, a little more club type comedy. And then I'd go do bar shows in the Valley. Where and you got 19 people out there. Yeah, 19 and, people out there at this place called Liquid Zoo in Van Nuys. Uh, and it's like, yeah. it's in the shithole. And then you yeah. go over to like, go to the west side and you do rooms in, you know, in Santa Monica, Culver City. and How much so, did that affect your style? Because the first thing I think of, and don't take this in the wrong yeah. way, but seeing you in an inner city black room, I yeah. think of those as rooms where you got a really have attitude where you yeah. got to really take charge yeah and you're much more of uh what i would think would do well at alternative rooms yeah where you're a little more esoteric well those rooms taught me a lot like starting in those rooms it was it was interesting because when i started in a lot of those like black and latino rooms i i got away and the way i started learning comedy is by being colloquial uh-huh. like i heard colin quinn on a podcast and he just said, uh, somebody asked him, like, what's your advice if you, it was a writer's podcast. It was yeah. like some dude from the Chicago, Chicago Sun-Times ran a podcast where he interviewed different types of writers. And he interviewed Colin Quinn as the comedy part of the podcast. Yeah. And he said, joke, make jokes about where you're from. Uh-huh. And story, and nobody can kind of take that from you. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, cool. I'll be sort of colloquial. So I went right. to these rooms, like went to the J spot over in Inglewood that Anthony Brown, Anthony J. Brown was old kind of like black circuit comic. He ran uh-huh. that room. I went over to like Maverick Flats and Lemur Park, um, the family room in Compton, and then a Lido's Cork room in like East LA. And how did they, and, how did they receive you? Well, I was a little more colloquial. Yeah. So, and I, so and they because, knew you were one of them. Yeah. And because I, I grew up with like, I grew up with black folks or I grew up with Latino folks and yeah. like I could, I knew I was a little more aggressive at the time yeah. and I was making the jokes that like I was learning. So I was being funny with colloquial humor. Right. You right. Know? Right. And they, and like tapping into what I'm from. Like I used to, one of my earliest jokes, I used to say like, you know, I go, so my girlfriend thinks I live in a bad neighborhood because there's like a bunch of couches on the sidewalk. But I don't look at that as bad. I look at that as hospitality. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, yeah sit down. Yeah, right, I'm like, right. you go to a nice neighborhood, there's nowhere to sit down. Right, so right. like that kind of stuff where I was like, how do I be, how do I write like jokes in a way, in in the vein of comedians that I grew up liking, right. but in a way that like ties into where I'm from mm-hmm. and my experiences. And that worked. And I was like, I was doing that. I was maybe a little more aggressive and a little more colloquial at the mm-hmm. time. Then when I started branching out and then I started going to like different rooms I was like, all right, some of this colloquial stuff's not always going to work. Mm-hmm. How do I be myself? You know? Right, right. Yeah. So it is it is interesting, though, because you come, like, what were the schools like where you, that you went to growing oh, up? 
you know, hood schools. Yeah. Yeah. Black and Latino hood schools, like underfunded schools. like Fights. Yeah. Dude, we used to have race riots at my high school. You did. Yeah, I used to have blacks against Latinos. Blacks against Latinos. It was like I went to my high school it was about like three thousand students, and then you know it was cool. You'd go through metal detectors, random gun checks, you know, uh, some racial tension, but usually like about twice a year there was race riots. Just get it out. Get it out, yeah. and then you know if you were a square, like I was kind of like I was a kid that I wasn't like. I wasn't a nerd, but I wasn't gangbanging either. I was uh-huh. just kind of got along with everyone, you know. Yeah. Smoked pot. And then, um, yeah. I so got what would you fun. do when the fight started? Just stand back and watch? Oh, I, I mean, I would fight if I had to. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> I would fight. You had to. Literally, I always yeah. tell people it's like prison. Yeah. It's like you, if you're around and you didn't, and there was like a Latino dude getting beat up, yeah. it had nothing to do with race. You had to back up your people. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know what That's I mean? Wild. Like, you'd get shit. You'd get shit. Like, even if you weren't like, yo, you didn't back up your people. Like, you gotta, yeah. it had almost nothing to do with race. Right. Like, I used to ha- I used to joke around with my girlfriend and tell her when I started stand up, and I would see other Latino comics, and if I I realize now that like you make comics based off of how long you've been doing it, if they mm. think you're funny and this and that, but I came in with the sense of like yo we gotta stick together. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then I, like I used to joke around. And I go look. If you're not gonna be my friend, I don't know who's gonna have your back when this when a race riot breaks out <laughs> at this vegan coffee shop open mic. <laughs> just, yeah, you're waiting for the fight. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at Ian Edwards going like, "What? Well, what are you looking yeah, at?" Yeah, and it's like I'm looking at like Jesus Trejo, dude. I know we don't know each other yeah. yet, but you better have my back. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, that's how I, you know, we used to have those race riots and like, but yeah, you kind of had to do that stuff. You yeah. know, you have to be a you you had to you could step back from it but if it was in your face or somebody was picking on you you kind of had to join in like it felt that way but it didn't feel racial even Mm -hmm. though it was it just felt like we had black friends they understood the same thing too if it's like something happens you know you gotta roll with your people or whatever so it's like it always felt that way like growing up even like when I was growing up I grew up with like my it was funny because when I was growing up, it was like I hung out with black kids. But by the time we got to a certain age, and then maybe it's because I was growing up in the 90s, they started hanging out with black kids and then I started hanging out with Latino kids. Yeah, I, went to, I went to a public school in New York and it was, it was the suburbs, but it was yeah. a very, very mixed. It was yeah. probably like a third black, a third Hispanic. Yeah. Third, and it was like that. My, I had good black friends yeah. and then we got to eighth grade. Yeah. Yes, that's when it happened. It happened to me at grade. like seventh grade. But all yeah. of a sudden, it just yeah. started like, yeah. and then there would be school dances where they'd play yeah. rock. Yeah. And we would go out and slow dance to Stairway to Heaven, all yeah. the white kids. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd play some like, uh, you know, they'd play some disco or some rap, Sugar Hill Gang. And yeah. then all of a sudden, all the black kids would go out and yeah. dance. It yeah. was weird. Yeah, it just happened. But yeah. That's how, that's what high school was like. That was yeah. like my neighborhood was like very like working class, you know, gangs, all that shit, mm-hmm. but like working class and then just black and Latino. Do you ever sort of take umbrage with the way these neighborhoods are portrayed in films and movies and movies and TV? Like, like it makes it seem like the second you step into South Central, you're going to get jumped and there's going to be gunfire. Yeah. Like, I think the best portrayal I saw growing up was Friday. Yeah. The Ice Cube movie. Right. Because I was like, yo, like people are funny. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, 
I grew up with funny people and like there's your neighborhood characters. There's like the homeless dude, the crackhead, yeah. there's like the bully on the block. Uh-huh. You know, you you knew not to go down that street, but you sort of you found a catharsis in it. Or yeah. you knew how to make laugh about it. Right. And when I saw Friday and I was like, you know, even when even when they had like the cholos in the first Friday that it's like the dudes that like gave um smoky angel dust yeah. they were like in a low rider and yeah. like i just i don't know there was just something so funny about that that i was just like yeah this is kind of what it's more like yeah you know right and of course there's that other stuff you know there's like sure there's gonna be you know but that stuff is so sensational that yeah it, that's what makes the news you know right right yeah it's i think it's a mix of both it's like you have those stuff and you know that stuff should be portrayed because it does happen. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, this is just working class people. Well, that's what know? I like about this yeah. fool. Your okay. show really shows the the heart, the family, yeah. the community, the neighborhood. Oh, thanks, man. And yeah, it's it's it's. I can't say enough good things oh, about the thanks, show. Thanks. Uh, and then, um, and I and I just love that uh, it's a it draws you into this world that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. And it's not the way I've seen South Central in the yeah. past. Yeah. I was, you know, the way we pitched the show was like, uh, we pitched it as Friday, but directed by the Coen brothers. Yeah. That's and good. like, where we wanted it to slightly be a little offbeat, uh-huh. make sure it's cinematic looking, and at the same time, tell these kind of working class hood stories. Yeah. And also I saw like films, like there's this film called Killer of Sheep. Uh-huh. And it's this uh, black dude from like uh, older black dude. When he was a student at UCLA, he made a movie about growing up in Watts. Mm-hmm. And it was just a very working class story about yeah. growing up in Watts. And it was like kind of tragically funny. Right. And in, in a way that I was like, that's great. That's yeah. what I love. Okay. You know? yeah. yeah. And the um, uh, what's it like in the neighborhood now? Are you uh, do you still live down there? No, I live over in like East Hollywood, Los Feliz area. Uh huh. Yeah, but my mom still lives down there. So she I'm does. Always, yeah, same might, house. Same house. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, now that I'm in this side of town, I might go back to her side of town. Yeah. It's not too far. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, same house. Yeah. All my most of my friends are still down there. Um, sister, my two sisters are down there. So yeah. You're such an interesting guy because yeah. you come from a world that in some ways mm. is limited in terms yeah. of what people are exposed to, what people yeah. get turned on by. And you have like a very kind of universal curiosity about life, you know, going yeah. to punk rock shows and I listening think... to fucking my podcast. Like you're oh, not, yeah, yeah. you're not a typical guy out of that part of town. Well, you know, what's so funny is that like, I think there's a lot of dudes like me, yeah. dudes, men and women, they're just not comedians. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They're not like, I think there's a lot of people down down there like that. But there's also, you know, it's so funny. It's like there's more of, we're not a whole, it's not a whole bunch of us, but there is a lot of people down there that like that kind of stuff. Maybe they're just not out doing comedy, so you don't right, hear about right, it. Right, right, Or also some of these things are kind of niche. So the, these audience, like, you're always going to have a little niche of an audience everywhere, I suppose. Right, right. You know, but there's a lot of, like, Latino kids into, like, in the south south LA and like East LA area into like punk music uh-huh. and I wasn't the only kid that grew up liking movies. I, I accredited a lot of that actually to just being a latchkey kid. Yeah. Like my mom was like when video rental stores were a thing, she was like concerned with me, like, yo, I can't have this kid getting into a gang. Right. So whatever interests him, just nurture uh-huh. that. 
Okay. And she was like, you like movies? You like watching movies? All right, here's a video rental card. Uh-huh. I let the I let the Korean family know that runs it yeah. to let you rent whatever you want. Un- wow. Un- not porn, but whatever. You're right. Like if it's rated R, it's fine. What were the you know? first films that really hit you? Man, I would say really weird, but I would say things like Brazil. You ever seen that movie? Yeah. Terry Gilliam, yeah. that movie. Just remember being a kid and seeing that video box and it was so surreal looking. Yeah. And I, at the time I was reading comic books, so I was like, this looks interesting. Uh-huh. Seeing that. Um, really weird things like things like Goodfellas, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. You know, um, Heat was a big one. Yeah. Like, you know, but a real big one too was even like comedies. Like, I think a big one for me, there was a, there was a tape floating around in my neighborhood kids who were into movies would float around yeah. and it had um raising arizona on uh-huh. it, which i loved it's my favorite film of all time beautiful yeah beautiful i mean like, it's i strive to make something like that one day it's laugh out loud funny yeah, hilarious it's poignant it poignant. says something it's shot unbelievably, oh, unbelievably. well yeah great soundtrack great soundtrack great actors yeah. There's a there's a like a poeticness to their to their dialogue. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah, so I I love the Cone Brothers. So I think it was that tape was floating around and it had Raising Arizona on it, Chasing Amy, uh-huh. and one other like a Spike Lee movie on it, I think. Yeah. Maybe do the right thing. Well, you know when you used to buy those VHS tapes that were like eight hours? <laughs> yeah. just, was shitty quality because yeah, there's so quality. much tape. Yeah. yeah. But I saw that, and those were the kind of movies that stuck out to me. Right. So, yeah, just watching films pretty early on and, uh-huh. like, yeah, going out to watch movies, being, like, a big Coen Brothers guy. Were you watching, like, Richard Pryor concerts yeah. and stuff? Yeah, it was funny. I wasn't, I had no notion of wanting to be a stand-up, but I just loved, like, I grew up watching, like, I had a buddy who uh, who had uh, This N Words Crazy. Yeah. And he would play that. Uh-huh. And he was like a buddy two years older than me. And I, it just killed me. Yeah. It would kill me. That, I remember like knowing about Bill Hicks. Yeah. Knowing about Carlin. And then as I, as I was getting a little older, I started, find, and I got Comedy Central, you know, watching guys like Greg Giraldo. Yeah. You, Colin Quinn. Uh-huh. People of that nature, Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. And then that stuff, that really, op- like that New York stuff really opened my eyes. Right, like right, comedy right. And like Dave Attell and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and those are all my favorites. You're yeah, naming all same. my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Then at the same time, discovering people like Maria Bamford. She's you amazing. Know, she's amazing. Patton Oswald and all that stuff. Seeing that yeah. like comedians of comedy. Right. But uh, yeah, seeing Tough Crowd was a big deal for me. Yeah. And then uh, seeing Greg Giraldo and then... You know, like listening to you on Stern. Yeah. So all that stuff, I was kind of like soaking it in. I just like the stuff that I like, you know? Right. Like when I got into comedy, I liked it the way I liked m- music and movies. Sounds like you were yeah. very into the New York comics. Yeah, I love those They're New York comics. almost all New York comics. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. yeah, those were big ones for me. Yeah. Like Geraldo was huge. Well, because they, they talk about race the way you don't hear it in L.A. as much. You yeah. don't hear different races talking about other races and mixing it up but that's how i heard it because i grew up in a neighborhood that was black and latino so i heard my black neighbors have thoughts on us as latinos right and then i heard myself and my group and latinos have thoughts on black people so there was a little more open yeah like it was you know we would make fun of each other right like and so there was like 
there, there was some underlying intention, uh-huh. but it was also like, you also knew that like if your neighbor needed a ride to the hospital, give them a fucking ride. Yeah, yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, so that was a way, that was like how I got it. And then when I heard like people like you, Greg Giraldo, Colin Quinn, Patrice O'Neill, tell Louis, these types of people, like that really, yeah, that New York comedy really meant a lot yeah. to me. Yeah. And I noticed that you said the N word. Yeah. Now, was there a point in your life where living where you did that mm-hmm. you actually said the word? Yeah. You know, truthfully, like when I was a kid, I I think I heard, because when we're as like Latinos in L.A., like. You're allowed to. No, you're not. You just grow up with black uh, people. Uh-huh. That's who you learn English from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. That's how you learn English from. <laughs> That's how you. That's yeah. that's actually who you learn English right, from. Because right. your parents don't know it. My uh, parents don't know English. Yeah. Like you know, my old man didn't know English. My mom didn't know English. Like they knew work English. Right. You know what and I mean. So one of the words you're learning. Yeah, that's one normal. of the words you're learning is that word. Yeah. And then you grow up, and then maybe I I I'm pretty sure I probably said it. And then when I when I was a kid, kid, and then they my black neighbors thought nothing of it. I don't know. I don't know that their parents would have liked it. Yeah. But my parents. Like, and then as I got older, I was just like, oh, yo, that's not really my word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I shouldn't say that. Uh-huh. Not, like, I think by the time I got like 12 or 13, I was like, I don't think that's my thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I was saying it in the context that they were saying it in, right. you know, but I was like, yo, that's not really my thing. Right. And I think there's still, I think there's still a lot of Latinos who use it, but I think, I think also there's, there's a reexamination of that word. Right. And, and I also think. There's a lot of black folks that they, they just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Any group to use it. Yeah. And I feel like that's the right. Like, don't use it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not your word. Yeah. Like, right. you know, I, we have our own thing. What's the like Mexican a, word? Probably full. Like full. full. Yeah. But without the L. Like, A was a full. You right. know what I mean? Like, so that that was our thing. What about essay? Essay, that's if you bang. Like, if you were if you were a gangbanger, you would call other people essay. Yeah. You know, or if you were if you were cholo and you saw someone, you would refer to them as essay. Yeah. But then if you weren't, if you were like me and you were kind of floated somewhere in the middle, like yeah. you, you weren't a nerdy kid, but you weren't like a cholo or anything, yeah. they'd probably be like, yo, don't talk like us. Yeah, you know yeah, what right, I mean? Right. Like, so yeah, they, you probably wouldn't a, say What about jefe? Jefe, yeah. But you would call somebody jefe like an older dude, jefe. Uh-huh. Be like, you will jefe. Like, you know, hey, what's up, Hefe? Like, you call that to an older dude. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily call that to a young dude. It's almost like respect. Yeah, respect. Yeah. Yeah. You'd go, yeah. Like, if I saw, like, if I saw, like, an ice cream man, you know, the little dudes pushing the carts? Yeah. Like, I would yell out, Hefe! And then Uh, you turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm calling him boss in in a very colloquial way. Yeah. So, like, no, we probably, I, at least from my generation, we grew up just calling someone fool. Cool. Yeah. Full. And then, all right. So, in terms of, and this is probably a question you hear a lot, but yeah. I'm always confused because, all right, I'm going to give you a list of names. Yeah. And you tell me what's different about them. Okay. Cholo. Yeah. Latino. Chicano. Yeah. Hispanic. Spanish. Spanish. So, I'll start with Spanish. Spanish was never a thing out here. Yeah. So Spanish to me. Because on the East Coast, it was Spanish. It's Spanish. Yeah. Puerto Ricans, Colombians, Dominicans. Dominicans, Dominicans, Yeah. You say they're Spanish. Yeah. So that was such a weird thing. That's a thing I grew up like listening to like hip hop records. Like if they mentioned Spanish people, they'd be like, I got the Spanish broad in like so and so or whatever. Right. right? Like it'd be like, 
it took when I first heard it as a kid. I go, do they mean Spaniards yeah. like Europeans? <laughs> like, like, I, like that's what I thought they meant. Yeah, like I just because that's what it means out here. Like right. if you think about it, you think of like, oh, those fools are like our colonizers. Right. Like you know, right. like you think of Spanish as Europeans as yeah. Spaniards. You know, and so that out here was never a thing. Yeah, like I don't even think black people out here would call us Spanish. Uh huh. You know, they would just say, oh, Hispanic, those Span- those Hispanic people or those Mexican people, even if they weren't Mexican, like maybe they're Salvadoran or Guatemalan. I think people would probably like black people, black folks that I grew up with probably just refer to them as Mexicans. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they weren't like Guatemalan and Salvadorans weren't happy about it. Right. You know, but that was that was probably what they referred to him or we got referred to as a lot as Hispanic. Uh-huh. Or or sometimes like if I was walking in a neighborhood and some black dude saw me, they would call me essay. Yeah. You know, which was it, it, not necessarily not. It didn't mean that I was a gangbanger. Yeah. It just meant like, oh, you're just a Mexican. dude. Okay. You're a Latino dude. You yeah. know, like you're from this neighborhood. Uh-huh. What's up, essay? Or they would come up to you and be like, you got an if they if you if you were going to get robbed or something. Yeah. And like if some black dudes that were like maybe gang members came up to me and like pocket checked me, they would be like. Oh, you got any family that's essay? And then we, I'd be like, yeah, but what about it? Or no, I don't. Or you know, whatever you, uh, yeah, whatever yeah. it is you reply with. Or they would say, you got any family that's thirteen? Uh-huh. That means like they're gang members, right. you know. But so Spanish never heard it. Hispanic, I grew up hearing Hispanic and Latino. That's just kind of like Hispanic. I guess my mom never really like the way I grew up. We wouldn't say we're Hispanic or we're hispanos that's not a really a word that we we would always my mom would always say we're either mexican or latinos mm-hmm. you know and i guess because latino is a spanish word or can be a spanish yeah. word and so is hispano or hispanic yeah but it's not a it's not a thing that really gets used out here right and then um latino and then mexican chicano you know what's so funny that i never grew up being a part of because my parents are immigrants. Yeah. So Chicano means sort of generational Mexican Americans that have been living here. Oh, is that right? Time. It also has a little bit of a, from my understanding, it has a little bit of a political awareness. Yeah, to there's it. like a social. There's a social aspect right, to it, right? Which is sort of like we're not necessarily we're not necessarily full-blooded Americans, and we're not necessarily Mexicans. We're our own thing. Right. We're Mexican Americans, and we have a sort of a political awareness of our struggles, yeah, and and our identity. Cesar Chavez, and, yeah, Cesar Chavez. So we're Chicanos, yeah. And what's so funny is, I never grew up with that because that term seemed to really be a came out of like East LA and Boyle Heights, right? And you know, an area that has generational, like right. Mexican Americans. And I didn't grow up with it because where I grew up, all our parents were immigrants. Yeah. They didn't understand what Chicano was. Right. They didn't. They were like, "What is that?" My mom to this day thinks those are people lowriders. Right. Like she, like if I ask her, I go, "You know what Chicanos are?" And she goes, "Yeah, it's those guys with the big mustaches <laughs> and they they jump the lowriders." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Just, she doesn't has no idea. Yeah. yeah, she's like working class. Yeah. She she didn't she she didn't get schooled out here. Uh-huh. She, it's it's a political awareness that exists. Right in the US and it's an identity that exists in the US. It's a very US thing. Right. So as I've gotten older, like I sort of understand that notion of like, oh yeah, maybe maybe I am that. Maybe I'm, you're becoming Chicano. May, maybe I'm becoming that. Or maybe my kids will be that. Yeah. 
because they'll be twice removed from right. Mexico, right. you know? Maybe they'll feel that. Uh-huh. I kind of don't feel that way just because I, I felt, even though I was born here, I always feel like I'm an immigrant because my parents are immigrants mm-hmm. and we were taught to, we, we grew up with that immigrant sense right. of like, you know, oh, don't trust the cops. Like, be quiet. Don't make a scene. Because uh-huh. then my parents were undocumented f- up until like maybe 90. Right. So it's like, you know, kind of keep it on the low. Like, yeah. you know, don't don't make a big scene. That's what's so yeah. funny about, you know, when you hear some of these politicians yeah. and talking about how dangerous immigrants are. It's like they are the most kind, yeah. law abiding. If you look at statistically yeah, yeah, yeah. at the crime yeah, rates yeah. for Latinos, yeah. they are half of what they are for other races. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny, too, because it's like. If somebody were to bring up gangs, I would say, yeah, of course they exist, but they also exist from a state of like economics. Like yeah. where, where are these people growing up? Yeah. Lack of funds. You know what I right. mean? Like it's one of those things like, yeah, of course they exist because of that thing. But also there's a lot of like, I don't know. You're right. Statistically speaking, they're not necessarily committing a lot of crimes. No. I mean, maybe on, on, on a very legality type of way that they're undocumented. Yeah. You know, but other than that, like. You know, my mom like, and I don't. I don't like to push the grateful the the grateful minor uh, immigrant either. Where yeah. you're like, thank you so yeah, much, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's just people doing their thing. Like my mom came out here, and when she came out here, she was like, she she was like, how do I pay taxes? Like back in the days when she came out here in like the late seventies. She, it was easy enough that she got a social security number. Oh, she did? Yeah. Okay. She got a social security. That didn't mean that you were documented. No, it just meant we'll take your money it and will you take won't your money. get it back if you don't get documented. Yes. That's what it meant. That's what people don't realize yeah. when they say that you know, immigrants are being a drain on the social services. Yeah. No, they're actually no, they're paying, paying way more in than they're taking so out. So much. Like, because most of them never get that social security Yeah, they back. don't get it back. And you... And you don't, you don't really get any of it back until you become a resident, right. you know, so a resident or a citizen or whatever. So my mom, my mom and my old man, when they were around and most of my aunts and uncles, they were able to get social security numbers. You know, it was a, it was a pre 9-11 world where it was uh-huh. so much easier and you would pay, you would just pay that off. You would just pay your taxes. Yeah. So by the time that you were able to like maybe file for residency, they would look at you and be like, all right, cool. Well, you know. You've been paying taxes for so long, and now you got a you got a pay payment. Yeah, to you. and then it's like, all right, cool. You got a payment coming to you. We're a little more at ease with making you a resident. Yeah, you know. So that's where a lot of that came yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, so let's talk about the new season came out this summer, the second season of This Fool. Second season came out July 28th. Okay, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I oh, apologize. Oh, don't worry about I, it. I love don't the show worry. and I found it through my son. Yeah, I remember when you told yeah, me that yeah, at Westside. Yeah. That really meant a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the, his friends freaked out about it. They just, yeah. they they love it. And then I had uh, Frankie Quinones Kin- 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 Yeah, he's my co-star in it. And he yeah. he's great. Yeah, you, I mean, you guys together just have such a great chemistry. Yeah, I love that dude. I known him for like seven, eight years. He took me on the road before I ever had the show. Or uh-huh. like we were, we I would be his feature. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he would take me on the road to feature for him. And you get to pay him back. Yeah, I get to pay him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's not bad. And then Matt and the other guy that Matt Ingebrigtsen and Jake Weissman, right. Who you had on here? I had on yeah. here probably. Yeah. F- six years ago when yeah. they had that show corporate yeah that's right yeah great yeah. dudes goofballs oh, dude i love those guys total goofballs yeah my brothers yeah them oh, and, that's great them and pat bishop who's their kind of like 
not scene partner. He's he's a director. And is it, it John Groff on the yeah. show as well? Yeah, your buddy. Yeah, your John buddy Groff John Groff. Yeah, from Boston. Yeah. yeah, from Boston. He he's an EP. He's smart. He's an EP. Really sharp dude. Yeah. He would tell us all these great stories of like doing stand up back in Boston and oh, New really? York and all that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. funny. He was, yeah. he wasn't. He was such an Ivy League kind yeah. of well-bred guy yeah, that yeah. he didn't fit in with all the Boston guys yeah. who were like, you know, It's weird to imagine him next doing... to Nick DiPaolo. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. And all those old guys that were doing blow and then he'd yeah. come out in his corduroys and his eyes yeah. odd shirt. <laughs> yeah. I love that Boston scene, though. I remember just like when I was getting into comedy, hearing about it. Yeah. And then watching that, uh, that documentary. Oh yeah, when, when seen, comics uh, uh, when comics stand up. Or, yeah, yeah. When yeah. stand up stood out. When stand up stood out. Yeah. yeah, that was a great that was yeah. a great documentary. And then yeah, I just loved it. But yeah, Groff was a part of it, and yeah. he told us really cool stories about like getting open for Hicks, and like yeah. coming up with you and Louie and mm-hmm. knowing David Cross and yeah. all these people. Dane yeah. Cook and Dane, yeah, Rogan. Yeah, Bill Burr, Patrice. That's right. I mean, it was crazy. Bobby Kelly. Yeah. So many people came out of that scene. It was it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. It's All, crazy. Not a lot of women, though. Yeah. It was a very uh, white male scene. Yeah. And it's Which, changed a lot It makes a sense, right, now. Boston? Yeah. 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 But now it makes sense. You got people like Sam Jay, who's out of Boston. Right, right. You know? So it's like, yeah, I'm sure it's changing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good scene now. It was kind of dying. Because yeah. there was one club owner who came in and he kind of drove all the other clubs out of business. That's rough. At one point, there was like six or seven full-time clubs, yeah. like Tuesday through Sunday clubs. Insane. And That's then, why all of you guys were so funny, I feel like. So I mean, naturally, time. but also at the same time when you have that much. Yeah. Like, and also, yeah. there was so many gigs right outside of Boston. That's right. That whole New tri-state England's area, right? So many, so many cities. And yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was a blast. And then... Uh, and, and then you know now I go, but they the clubs all closed. But then this guy John Tobin, yeah, came in and he started Laugh Boston and he started uh, a lot of satellite rooms and he's yeah. been a big supporter of diversifying comedy great. and you know championing good young yeah. comics. And, good for the scene. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's good for the scene. Get some young people in there. Yeah, and like yeah, I just think it's good. Right. Yeah. So so this fool, how is how is the reception going? Are you getting uh It's been good. Yeah. It's been really good. It's allowed me to tour. It's allowed me to go on the road mm-hmm. and headline, you know. Yeah. I think right before before the show, I was starting to pick up buzz and I was a, I was starting a headline but like a one nighter. Yeah. You know, I do one nights at clubs or whatever. Now I'm getting weekends and I think for the last year I've been able to tour. Yeah, doing weekends and but the reception's been good. Like, I feel really happy about it on a on just on a public level. People seem to really like it. Like, and then it's good because we're we're trying to navigate that thing where my idea is how do you make a show that it feels intelligent but doesn't speak above an audience, right? But also, so it's able to on it's a, so accessible. Yeah. yeah, how do you get working class people right? to enjoy the show and also how do you get critics to enjoy the show like we got written up by the new yorker and the new yorker called it like uh the best comedy of the summer i remember reading yeah. that that's amazing and i was really excited by that yeah. because i'm always trying to 
to do that or i'm always trying to like how do you appeal to maybe this more like academic crowd well you were on npr did you say yeah what show did you I do? I was, uh, I did, what's the famous game show there? Uh, uh, wait, Wait, Don't Tell yeah, Me. Yeah, Wait, Wait, Don't oh, you Tell did that? Me. Yeah, oh, that's hilarious. They I got did. a lot of listeners. They got a lot of listeners. Yeah. Those people came out to see me. Uh-huh, so that's it was like, so cool. It was like funny to be in like, I remember I, uh, the first time I saw that I was pulling a little different types of crowds was I went to, I did the Dania Beach Improv. Uh-huh. It's right outside of Miami. And there was like these older white folks that heard me from NPR, wait, uh-huh. wait, don't tell me. And there was like these kind of harder, like Dominican dudes who yeah. came out yeah. who liked me from the show. So it was just like really funny to see that audience and like try to write that line where I can appeal to both at the same yeah. time. Whatever sacrificing sides, you know? Uh-huh. And um, so, yeah, it was interesting, like getting like the New Yorker to acknowledge at the show and, you know, getting the late times and getting these public like vulture and stuff. But at the same time at a ground, I would be thoroughly disappointed if it was appreciated by critics, but the people I grew up with didn't enjoy it. Right. Or the people from my neighborhood or neighborhoods like it, like didn't enjoy it. We also tried to look at the show through a lens, not necessarily of like race. We tried to look at it through a class lens, you know, right? where it was like, you know, I go, we don't have to, mention that we're Mexican. We don't even have to mention that we live in South Central mm-hmm. and that our neighbors are black. Just show it. Just yeah. just let right. it speak for itself. Right. And what you get was, I would get like, we have an episode where the mom in season one, she was stealing toilet paper from her job because she's a janitor. Yeah. That's something my mom would do because my mom was a janitor. Right. And she would bring toilet paper home and got awful toilet paper. But it really resonated with people because there was a lot of people, it was like this dude from, Polish immigrant dude who hit me up from New Jersey and said, that really resonates with me because my mom was a janitor. Yeah, yeah. And she brought home that awful toilet paper. Wow. Or there was like, this is a black dude, African immigrant in France who like hit me up and told me that resonated with him. Uh So like kind of looking at it through that lens. Yeah, the specific, but also like looking at it through that lens of like class. So like the janitor, this woman who's a janitor bringing home like supplies from work and stuff like that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, well, listen, it's time for Fitz, uh, Fastballs with Fitz. I'm ready. You know the segment? Um, I know it. <laughs> all right. Who is your worst opener ever on the road? Worst opener. Whew, that's a hard one. <laughs> uh, worst opener. I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not saying this because I don't want to burn a bridge. I don't remember their name. Yeah. But it was worst opener on the road. Was I think it was the dude in, like, in Texas, maybe Arlington, just new. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I haven't, I mean, I've been doing stand-up for 10 years, but like, not that I'm some a vet either. Right. But I think he was like a year, two years in and just knew, just kind of like got frustrated, like didn't bring me up in the best way. Oh, yeah. You know. He brought you up into a, into a, a, a dead spot. Well, you know what's so funny? I don't even care about him if, if he bombed it's okay. It's yeah. it's my job. I'm. It's my job to get them. Right. You know, I just think he didn't bring me. He didn't bring me up with any sense of like enthusiasm. Yeah. Or like yeah. Try to rally the troops. Like he was. He had collapsed. Yeah. He, he fell apart. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! When he brought me up, he brought me up with 
like a tone of I'm mad at you, the yeah, audience. Yeah, right. So when I came up, it just it killed me. Right. Sometimes yeah. that happens with they they forget that they're really not the show. The headliner yeah. is the show, and the, yeah. the most important doesn't like you said. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you bomb. I don't give a shit if somebody bombs. Yeah. I, Sometimes I, actually, I like it. Sometimes yeah. I feel like wow, this crowd's gonna love me because they just had yeah. to sit through this. Yeah, I'm also very happy if they do great. Like yeah. if they annihilate, sure, amazing. Right. I go. I I'm either you. I'm either gonna learn how to ride that wave, uh-huh. or I'm gonna have to work really hard to get them to what my you know like my stand up. Right, right. You know. So because sometimes like a local feature or an opener can annihilate in a way that like he just knows the city. Yeah. They're very colloquial. So that can be really hard and that's right, also right. good. It's yeah, like not yeah. bad. It's yeah. challenging. I like yep. that. Yeah. You know, but it also taught me like if I can, sometimes I bring a buddy that I came up with uh-huh. to like open for me. Yeah. You know, just to feature for me because right. I'm like, there's also this idea of like if you can, I like somebody getting a good nights of comedy. Like if somebody can go and say, damn, everybody on the show is great. Yeah. I just think it's good for comedy. Absolutely. I think, I think people come back to the club. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I like bringing strong people with me. Yeah. It depends on where I go. If I go to like San Francisco, yeah. I'm not bringing somebody yeah. because I know they got killer comics up there. And they got their own system. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like if you do Punchline and Cobbs, right. there's a city, it's a, it's a scene, Yep. and they cultivate that scene. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have killer comics. Right. You Denver's know? like that. Yeah, Denver's like that. Yep. Yeah. Boston's like that. Boston, like Cleveland's like that. Cleveland's got great local people. Yeah. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. That's right. But, so. if, but if you're going to fucking Sioux City, Iowa, or... Um, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan, you may want to grab somebody. You want to bring someone with yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Um, there are two types of people in the world. Yeah. Go. Oh, there's two types of people in the world. Oh, that's so see. funny if you said black and Latino right now. <laughs> black and Latino. That's what I, I'm going to steal that from you. No, you know what's so funny is that there there is almost, I'll put it like this. There's actually two types of people in the world that I think. There's people who think that racism is a binary and that you're either racist or you're not. Or there's people who understand that like racism is a spectrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a spectrum. Uh-huh. I think there's a lot of people now who want to look at it as a binary. Right. That you're either you are or you're not. They want to check a box. They want to check a box. And there's also like a moral righteousness to, right. s- to saying you're either this or you're not. Right. Because I'm not. Yeah. You know? But I think if you look at things at a spectrum, and I'm not saying it's right, but I, I think if you look at things as a spectrum, it, let, it allows us all to say, maybe I have some mishaps or maybe I have some blind sides when it comes to race. Right. You know, but I don't. I don't know that that people want to ha- embrace that. You know. Well, it's like they're looking. They're looking to uh, label you, and if you say one wrong thing, they can take away like, you know, people that have been progressive. Yeah. For years and yeah. d- actually walk the walk, mm-hmm. they say one wrong thing and that's it. You just get yeah. branded. And it's one of those things where I just go. You know, I think it's a spectrum. I think good people. I think people, good people are capable of maybe saying a racist thing. And I don't, I don't know that they're saying it with uh, malice. Maybe it's just an ignorance they have. Right. You know? Well, maybe when I said to you that I think that you're, 
kind of uh, a, a unicorn coming yeah. from your neighborhood and being interested in different things. Yeah. And then you were like, no, there's a lot of us. And it's like, yeah. I felt in that moment like, yeah, that was a little ignorant of me because I don't but know. It, but no, it didn't feel malicious. No, but it wasn't malicious, but yeah. it was a little uninformed. Yeah, yeah. It was a little naive. Maybe, but I don't. No, but the, I mean, everybody yeah. can grow. Yeah, yeah, and that's, absolutely. That's the, why people talk. Yeah, that's why people talk. Yeah. So I always think of like things are like, I always think of things like in the most interesting, like I try to think of things of like, everybody's a spectrum. Like you think of like, Think of Tony Soprano, who's yeah. like pretty evil dude, but right. at the same time loved his family yeah, yeah, and yeah. had these questions of morality. Right. And like, you know, I think people are not just one thing or not. You yeah. know, I think, you know, I'm uh, I'm capable of having blind sides when it comes to other ethnicities or mm-hmm. and it's not it might not be coming from a malicious place. I just right, don't know. Right. Right. You know, although I don't buy into the he's good to his family. So he's a good guy. There's a no, no, there's no, no. a lot of evil dudes that yeah. have been great to their families. I always people say that like I go, I'm sure Hitler had a dog that he loved. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't right, right. You know, I just think there's like that. I think there is objective evil in the world. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh-huh. I think th- I think for the most part, though, and. It's just weird. I've, it was so funny. Uh, or you think about like serial killers who at one point loved their families. Oh, there's this famous yeah. one about the, the guy named the Iceman. Who yeah. was a serial killer for the yeah. mob. He worked for yeah, yeah. all the mobs That's in right. New York. And he had a family that he fucking loved his daughter. He was yeah. really sweet to his wife. Or I read about the BTK killer who was the same way. Uh-huh. That like my uh, my girlfriend, she used to do stand up. And one of my favorite jokes of her was saying, she used to say, I, I want to have kids, but I know that having kids is hard and it's time consuming because if you look up the BTK killer, there was a time that he wasn't active and they asked him why and they said, I was raising kids. <laughs> that's, how much, that's how hard it must be to have kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have time to kill other people. You don't have time to pursue his passion. You know? That's hilarious. You know? All right. Um, what what have you turned down recently? What have I turned down? College gigs. You have. Yeah, I'm I'm not good at them. No shit. I'm not good at them. Wow. Yeah, I'm not good at them. I'll do a corporate gig. I won't do a. I just I'm, I I want to start. I just I'm not good at college gigs. Yeah. I'm not like I just I just know when I was like I just like. I don't know. I'm not good at them. I kind of come up there and I'm like, I can be, my jokes can be a little curmudgeonly, uh-huh. you know, and. You just feel like they're so pure that you can't relate to they're it. They're excited about life. Yeah, right. They're excited about life. Uh-huh. You know, they want to hear a, somebody who's excited about life, mm-hmm. somebody who's being silly. Like, silly and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, no, but you know, it's so funny. I didn't like those kind of comics when I was growing up. Uh-huh. Like when I was growing up, I like. You, Greg Giraldo, Colin Quinn, well, because Chris O'Neill. You guys felt like you has had life. Yeah. Like But the kids that go to college shows are yeah. not the cool kids. Yeah. The cool kids are at keg parties yeah. and at concerts and they're off yeah. campus. And the kids that come are kind of the nerdy they're nice. Yeah. They're cheer they're yeah. they were cheerleaders in high school. Yeah. I went to one not too long ago, and this one I said, this is my last one. Yeah. I went to go do Connecticut. I, I did a gig in Connecticut, and it was like 30 minutes of just bombing. Yeah. Just bombing. Ugh. And then I was just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not for these kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. I have a joke about shitting my pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
they don't have they don't they don't want to hear that they yeah. want to hear other things right. which is fine right that's great dude like there's other it's comics tough because it's that. good money it's hard to turn oh, it down i know you can line up two or three in a week and make some dough you can make some dough but yeah. it just it just it hurts my heart it to crushes go. you it crushes me in a sense where i just go why am i doing this then i'm then i'm not even excited about this yeah i go I don't mind doing a gig for the money. I've done a corporate gig before, mm. you know, but I'm also like, but those have been fun. Yeah. You know, it's people who hate their jobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All you got to do is make fun of their boss and you're a king. Yeah, you're yeah. a king. You have to make fun of the boss, but not so hard that he doesn't give you the check at the end yes. of the night. Yeah. And not so hard that they're just laughing at him. You got to tease him. Tease him a not little. Not shit on yeah. him. Yeah. Shit on him. But yeah. Um, and finally, I'll ask you, what is the hackiest bit that you've ever done? Hackiest bit I've ever done. Ooh, all right. This is a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of bits that I don't do anymore because I try not to do. Uh, you know, this is I've. This is not even. I do this now, and I worry that it's hacky. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. I do a bit about flying which you know it's the rules don't do bits about oh i don't agree with that yeah but apparently right yeah i just so i do this bit about the idea that i the other day i flew to arizona and it was an hour and a half but it felt like seven because i didn't see my pilot before i got on the plane and i like to see my pilot before i get on the plane because i like to talk to my pilot the way i wish my father would have talked to me so when i see the <laughs> pilot i'm like dude i'm proud of you because <laughs> I, the joke is really about that Malaysian air flight that went missing. Yeah. There's a theory that that guy was depressed, uh-huh. you know, and there was another flight around the same time, a German guy who right. killed himself because he was depressed. And I, the bit, it's about that. Like the last thing you want is an existential pilot <laughs> flying you at 38,000 feet in the air, right, right. asking himself what is life all about. Yeah. He's got a lot of power yeah. up there. I go, no, 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 no. Yeah. You, want a, you want somebody who feels great about their yep. life. And the joke, I go, because their jobs are important. Uh, I go, like, your guys' jobs are not important. Yeah. I go, my job's not important. Like, I'm sad right now. Uh-huh. And we're going to be fine. <laughs> you know? We just can't have people flying us yeah. feeling sad. I love that. Yeah. That's a great bit. Yeah. But yeah. I used to, aside from that, what's another hacky bit? Maybe a hacky bit that I... I don't think that's hacky, but I just worry that flying jokes are no, hacky. No, I totally disagree. I've got... Yeah. I'm doing a new special in a few weeks, and I've got four minutes on flying. Dude, amazing. Where are you We've, doing your special on? Uh, Joe Rogan's Club in Austin. Dude, the amazing. Mothership. Yeah. I did one... I did a spot there in the uh, the small room. Oh, you did? Amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah it's a great vibe. Amazing. But, um, no, I think that you do what you... You talk about what you do. I fly every week. Yeah, I feel like I fly a lot now. Yeah. So like How I, would I not literally talk about worry. I you know, it hit me on a plane one time because I was depressed flying somewhere and then I just I was looking around and I was looking at how many people actually look sad on yeah. the plane and then it hit me I'm like what if the pilot's sad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just go. laughs> and you could have changed everything with some eye contact. With letting him know he's yeah. valued. The hand on his arm. Yeah. yeah you're killing Love it. Love what you do, man. Love what you do. They should sell merch after the flight. Yeah, those guys are heroes. Out. Yeah. Those guys are heroes. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, listen, you got some tour dates coming up. You are going to be in La Brea at the Improv on November 30th to December 2nd. That's a fun room. Yeah, fun Great room. Great manager, good lighting, good yeah. stage. You can crush in that room. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah. You're going to do great there. I did it a year ago. I did a one-nighter there a year yeah. ago, and then I'm back doing a weekend. Doing a whole weekend. Doing all right, whole so weekend. support them, people. Come out yeah. and see them there. San Diego, December 21st to the 23rd. That's a tough week because everybody's going week. to Christmas yeah, parties. I know. 
Yeah. That's going to be a tough one because I also just did, I was in Raleigh and I did a weekend there and it wasn't, it was the weekend of the last week of their state fair. Oh. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Dude, here's the little thing I can tell you. Nobody draws in Raleigh. R- right? Raleigh's oh. tough. Raleigh's tough. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, Raleigh's yeah, a yeah. tough market. Uh, Raleigh and yeah. uh, St. Louis. Um, so, and you're playing the American Comedy Club down there. Yeah, American Comedy Club. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, I couldn't find your other dates. Your website does not list your tour dates. I gotta fix. Yeah, you may want to put those on. I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> so, where do people get tickets? Uh, they can go. Um, they can go to the uh, my Instagram. I have a link tree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can have a link tree. They can follow me on Instagram at at Chris Estrada Comic or on Twitter at at Chris Estrada eighty five. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, man, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, I mean, man. We've been Thanks trying to get together me. for this for a while, yeah, so yeah. I'm glad it worked I'm, out. I'm glad I got to do it. It's like a checkoff for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Thanks, it really man. is. Thanks, man. All got right. It.